Hello, and welcome to the Moncast. As always, I'm Stevie, and this episode I'm joined by Buggy. Hi. The current score is 12-8 Pokemon, and this time we'll be discussing the 21st episodes, The Crest of Kindness, and Foul Weather Friends. But before we start, Buggy, uh, why don't you tell us a bit about your history with the shows? Okay, well, I grew up watching Digimon. Digimon was kind of my first anime, the thing that got me into anime, so I guess that's what I could thank and or blame. And uh, I actually have a podcast about uh, Digimon that I've been doing with some other people, so I am kind of fairly entrenched in it uh, right now. I've been rewatching a lot of it lately. Uh, so I'm very familiar with Digimon as an anime. Pokemon I am less familiar with as an anime. I have played the games a lot. I'm very well acquainted with the games. Uh, recently I've been doing some speed running of second gen games. As for the anime, I have watched almost none of it. So, like, literally you've watched pretty much none of it? I've seen a few episodes here and there. I'm familiar with it just through osmosis uh, for the most part, but I've never actually watched Pokemon. I haven't, you know, watched a full season. Neither have I. So, like, well, we stopped after episode 54 of the first series, so we could jump on to the next one. So I've not watched a full proper series before either. Oh. I've watched 54 in a row, so I got the gist of it, but I'm not the type to watch 200 episodes of Pokemon from one series. But yeah, the games are very good. The anime, if you do watch more than just the episodes you've watched for this one, you might have iffy opinions if you're anything like me. So yeah, pretty similar to me than just lots of Digimon and a bit of Pokemon, mainly the games. Yeah, more or less. What have you been watching for your Digimon podcast lately? We are watching the second half of Frontier at the moment, which I don't think we really love it, but it's been fun to talk about uh, just because it's a really unique season. Um, it's not great, but I wouldn't call it boring. Basically, is it is it one of those so bad it's kind of good series? <laughs> Plenty to talk about with it. Kind of, yeah. It's, it's the sort of thing where it does a lot of things really well and also a lot of things really poorly. So that gives us, you know, a lot of stuff to, to dive into in terms of how it works, how it, you know, doesn't work. So coming back to Adventure Zero 2 is sort of a flashback for you. Oh, yeah. Well, I think you picked a good one to join me for. <laughs> oh boy, did I ever. Just get you on for the end of an arc, why not? So yeah, I think we're ready to jump into it. Alright. Yeah, let's start off with Pokemon. We start off, Ash and Co are walking along on the way to Azalea Town, was it? Which is the second gym they're up to, I believe. Yeah, it's been, it's been 21 episodes. He's not even to the second gym yet. That is, that's insane to me. Yeah, it's a lot worse than the first series where they had like three gyms in the first 21 or whatever. But it seems to be the norm for Johto series is just take it slow. <laughs> It's like, there have to be multiple seasons of Johto just to get them through the gyms. Oh, there are. We make it through the full first Johto series in this 50 episodes. Yeah, it took 15 episodes to reach the first gym. Oh no. Take pity on me. While the guests can jump in and out, I have to watch every single one. 
Well, I mean, like, looking at, you know, just kind of some things in the episode, apparently, like, Ash has a Chikorita. Like, no wonder he's doing so poorly. That is, like, the worst speedrun strat you can... Like, Chikorita gets destroyed by the first two gyms. What what was he thinking? He's no master. Thinking that Ash is good at Pokemon is a mistake. Don't assume anything about Ash being good at Pokemon. I've figured out that much. He's been, what, it's been decades now and he still hasn't beaten a league? I don't know, I've not watched all the series. I think that's what I heard. I think that he got close in 6th gen, but just fell short. That's such an awful record. He's never been a champion. He can't be because then he'd be stuck in one region forever. They need to keep him moving, which is why he's bad, so he can constantly, quote-unquote, improve. Okay, so he's traveling to Azalea Town. And they are surrounded with grass Pokemon on all sides including Bellsprout, who's the best of the bunch. And then they come across a Hoppip. Um, the Hoppip says Hoppip, and then Brock says, I think it's called a Hoppip. I, I didn't catch that part. <laughs> Honestly, Brock and Misty are exposition machines, stating the obvious much. And then we're introduced to our character of the episode. I didn't catch her name, so I've just written her down as Hoppip Girl. You know, I didn't write her name down either, and I don't remember it. We'll never know. <laughs> I mean, you'd think I'd be able to remember it. Brock said her name, like, enough times that it should be ingrained in my memory. Yeah, Brock says things to girls a lot. I, I think that's one of my biggest takeaways from this episode. Just the fact that, you know, Brock's shtick really doesn't hold up too well in this The Year of Our Lord 2019. A trend I only noticed today is that pretty much all the filler characters, there's a 90% chance they'll be a girl just so they can have that running gag with Brock. Oh, no. They just use it as a crutch for humor, and it doesn't work. I don't know. I don't remember finding it funny, like when I saw an episode or two back in the day. Even as a joke, it's just repetitive, and it's not actually that funny. But, like, it, it doesn't come across great, especially now that society's a little more quote-unquote woke. Yeah. If anything, it's just like Brock is objectifying every female he comes across. So, it's not the best joke. Yes, she's she's running around catching hoppips. With a net, like the villagers from Animal Crossing. Because apparently a hoppip just float away sometimes, and she has to chase after them. Right, okay. And those are those are her hoppip. Like, she does own those hoppip, right? Yes. She owns those hoppip. Yeah, otherwise that raises a lot of questions on in terms of how catching Pokemon works, why you need to weaken it and catch it in a Pokeball, when you can just grab it in a net. I mean, I think the Pokeballs just have a brainwashing effect tied to them. Oh no. I don't know, maybe a net can have that effect as well, but she said that she had seven from the start, and these were just her Hoppet that floated away. So, because she's the, the filler character, they of course follow her back to a house so she can teach them all about her Pokemon of the episode. Yeah, and I, I really actually found this part pretty interesting in, in terms of the world building that they did. Uh, they go into this whole thing about a sort of hopip meteorology, or basically she's able to predict the winds by how the hopip group up. Uh, and that was, like, as someone who's only played the games, that was really interesting seeing sort of how they develop this world, uh, how they, you know, portray the world a little differently from the games, uh, and, you know, build it into something a little bigger just by focusing on certain Pokemon and how they react to the world around them. Yeah, like, you get a lot more life given to the Pokemon than you do in the games where they're just numbers and a sprite. Thought that was nice. Yeah, it is nice. The only thing that, that caught my attention was that 
she brings up this hoppip scale to measure wind. And two of the hoppip get swept away, so that means that gust of wind was a two on the hoppip scale, which is a dumb scale. It's a fairly intuitive one. It depends entirely on not only the weight of the hoppip, but how many hoppip you have. So if you have like 1,000 hoppip, would you get a 1,000 hoppip scale? Because the wind, it's a stupid scale. Like, what, is it rated two out of seven hoppips, or is it just two on the hoppip scale? It makes more sense than the imperial system. True, but everything makes more sense than the imperial system. But it is not a reliable scale for the meteorology, whatever you call them, meteorological effects. Yeah, I, I don't think the scientists of the Pokemon world are measuring winds on the hoppip scale. It's a silly scale. She also complains about her hoppip flying away quite often and having to chase them down. So why doesn't she just either A, get a higher fence, or B, put a roof on the enclosure? Was there not a roof on the enclosure? No, I don't think there was. That's ridiculous. Apparently she just has so much time to kill, so she just lets her hoppip fly away all the time. But there is actually, in this enclosure of seven hoppip, an eighth hoppip, which turns out to be an oddish that has made itself red, because it thinks it's a, a hoppip. Two questions regarding that. One, how did the oddish paint itself pink or red or whatever in the first place? And two, I guess, like, the, the hoppip, like, wants to fly. Why don't they just use a game shark to teach it HMO2? Like, well, I guess she, she can't afford to put a roof net over, you know, the top of her enclosure. I guess she can't really afford a game shark as well. Yeah, it's honestly impressive that the Oddish made itself pink, considering it has no arms to manipulate things with. Yeah, like, where did it get the pigment? Did Hoppip Girl paint it pink to help it fit in better? Wait, is this Oddish suffering from, like, species dysphoria or something? That is a good question. I am the wrong person to ask about that. I mean, I suppose that's that's pretty sucky for the Oddish if that's the case, where it identifies as a Hoppip, but can't fly or anything or do any hoppip things yeah i mean i i think I, I don't really want to delve into that idea just due to the fact that if we do read it as that you know then the ultimate theme and, and moral of the episode does not really say great things about it considering it comes back to you can't be like a hoppip but you have things that make you great and i think you know reading that as some form of dysphoria does not say uh fantastic things so i'll i'll choose to Read it as just, it's sort of imprinted on the uh, the group of Hoppips. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So there's not much else that goes on here. I think it just cuts, well, my notes cut to Team Rocket anyway. And so do you like Team Rocket? I am going to say yes, I do really enjoy Team Rocket. I feel like in large doses, I would get sick of them really, really quickly, though. Interesting hypothesis. Doesn't hold up, because... Well, I've watched Team Rocket now, and they've been just the saving grace in most episodes for the whole time I've done the podcast. They're really fun characters. They have great chemistry. They're all, you know, just really entertaining characters. It's just that they kind of have the same shtick every single episode uh, as far as I've I've noticed just from the little bit that I've seen. Uh, and I feel like that might get old. But as characters, uh, as, you know, sort of an ensemble, I, I, I do love them. They are far better than Ash and Co, at least. Team Rocket come up with this whole idea, well, Meowth does, comes up with an idea of taking the Hoppip to make a delivery service. A delivery service? Yes, a delivery service. For once, James actually realizes that Meowth is stupid. 
because it wouldn't work unless it was very, very windy. So that gets shut down. They also shut it down because what'll the boss think if we're making money for ourselves instead of giving him the Pokemon? Yeah, exactly. I've never actually seen the boss in the series yet. I assume he always turns up later in the series or something. I'm not sure he ever shows up. I've seen him in films, I think. But apart from that, they just sort of talk about the boss like this all-seeing god in the, the series. After they decide to take the Hoppet before the boss this time, and um, they turn up with masks and costumes on and <laughs> immediately go into the motto and take off the masks. Yeah, fantastic disguises you've got there. You uh, really committed to that one, Team Rocket. They must never change because they are the best. <laughs> And a battle ensues. Team Rocket's invention this time is just a very large fan. Like an electric fan, not the the paper type. I mean, if it works... It kind of works. Yeah, they would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those pesky kids and their dumb Oddish, too. Oh yeah, the Oddish, what, is not too helpful in this bit? Well, no, the, the Oddish gets pulled up uh, as well. And then... The Oddish is the first one they find, and it just helps them find all the others. Yeah, because it's left to Pikachu and Chikorita. Pikachu electrocutes the fan. Chikorita does a razor leaf that sounds like a machine gun <laughs> at Arbok. And the battle is won. This is eight minutes in, so that's already been one battle with Team Rocket. After that, I just sort of put in my notes, what does the other 12 minutes have for us? And then the show responds with a tornado. <laughs> oh, right. I don't remember what it was on the hop scale, but they put their le- like they huddle in groups of three and put their leaves together, and that means something very specific. Yeah, it means there's a, a big wind coming. <laughs> Later, it becomes a seven on the hop scale as it passes over the house and sweeps them up, <laughs> and the roof of the house as well. A seven on the hop scale with, with uh, like extra oddish points or whatever. I don't know how the oddish factors into the hop scale, but I don't know, like. Is it just seven and an oddish on the hop scale? It's a seven odd wind. Maybe it's just an oddish on the oddish scale. Maybe the oddish scale is one oddish worth seven hop in the, these wind scales. <laughs> so many questions. It's a good question. We should get more oddish together and uh, examine that. Yeah, or maybe it should just be rated roof out of roof scale. That's right. Now, now her actual house doesn't have a roof either. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I wanted to say during this the scene with the tornado they do pokemon sort of scary shading i don't know what to call it when they're all hidden under the table and it looks dark which is neat because natural disasters are scary and yeah they find the oddish first because for some reason this hoppish episode is decides to be very oddish centric the nice thing about the tornado is that the oddish did at least get to fly yeah, that's the the silver lining. I'm honestly surprised they didn't go into that. Like, as it got sucked up, I was like, oh, hey, it does get to fly. Maybe not the best circumstances, but still. It's a dream come true. And because they find the Oddish first, the Oddish wants to find the other Hoppip. So it uses its Hoppip detection abilities to just start looking for them. I mean, in the past, they've always just tried splitting up and calling out Hoppip. Or whatever the Pokemon's name is, so this is as good a plan as any, just follow an Oddish round. Like, I, I don't know why the Oddish knows better than any of them, but whatever, I'll, I'll I'll take it, I'll run with it. The Oddish knows best because it has funky music playing in the background behind it, and I don't think I've heard the funky music before, but it's pretty cool. So yeah, they find two out of seven Hoppip, and both are trapped in branches, one's in a tree, one is in a river, and Brock, to impress the lovely lady, always goes to grab the Hoppip. He, I think he stops ash from going to get it yeah he does at one point to be like no 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 let me show off 
Let me impress them. And Hopip Lady calls Brock the best. Okay, sure. Literally anyone could have climbed that tree, but whatever. And they can't find the other Hopip because they are all in Team Rocket's balloon. I don't know when the balloon took off in the middle of the tornado, but just go with it. They have Hopip in the balloon. Meowth still wants to make a delivery service, but gets shut down again. I really don't know, like, if the plan to make a delivery service has failed, I, I don't know why they're still trying to capture the Hopip. It's just they tried to capture Pokemon to give to the boss. That's their the general goal. But they're not particularly rare Pokemon. They're not even particularly useful Pokemon. Well, you've played the games. You know Team Rocket's just full of Zubat and coughing. I've played the games. I know that Hopip only knows Splash for a while. I didn't know that. That's amazing. It's because I think like the original Japanese term is translatable as Splash or Hop. So it makes it makes more sense. But for a while, I think it's just Splash and Recover. So from a combat stance it's it's useless until you get it to higher levels i suppose it could be used for recon maybe like would you pay attention to the pink blob floating above you although they can't talk to actually communicate anything back just like so what did you find out hop-ip, hop-ip. well meowth could understand it so i guess oh yeah true they have a translator that would work that's a reasonable use so yeah where were we oh yeah team rocket are just talking about the hop and what they're going to do with them. Um, but Ash and Co. run up, and we see Misty use a Pokemon, which is new. It rarely happens. And she just sends out Staryu, the flying starfish. Doesn't she use it as a ninja star to just kind of pop the balloon? Yeah, the Staryu just flies straight into the balloon using Tackle and punctures it. And so the balloon goes straight down. It's probably a new record for how fast that balloon's gone down, honestly. But yeah, I only just thought, like, Staryu can fly without any proper abilities. It's just, like, slightly psychic. And yet Oddish can't fly. Life isn't fair. I mean, Oddish is basically like a bulb that, you know, grows underground. That's what it's based on. It's based on a radish. And I think being buried in the ground is like as far opposite of being able to fly as I can think of. So they chase after them to get the Hoppet back. And they all send out Pokemon. And then Oddish steps in to do most of the fighting. Yeah, and I don't even know what move it uses to to deal the final blow. I'm pretty certain it was Solar Beam, which if it is Solar Beam is impressive. But yeah, that doesn't make sense, especially since like Ash even makes a comment about how later on it'll get moves like Solar Beam, implying that that wasn't Solar Beam. Yeah, I didn't catch that one. Huh. But then Ash is stupid, so... That's, that's very true. It makes sense that he wouldn't recognize Solar Beam as Solar Beam, despite his Bulbasaur also knowing Solar Beam. I could tell you so many stories about Ash being stupid, but we'd be here all day. Anyway, Oddish just wrecks everyone, even Victory Bell who always loses, but still, that is impressive, because they have, like, no type advantage. And Oddish can't fly, but it can jump really high, because it has strong legs from hopping like a hoppip. But yeah, that Oddish knows Solar Beam. I guess so. Apparently so. So that is way more impressive than being a flying Oddish. And you know, Ash gives it a nice little speech. It's like, it essentially boils down to, look, you may not be able to fly, but you can kick really well, you can uh, use moves like Stun Spore and Poison Powder and Sleep Powder and even Solar Beam at later levels. So it like it boils down to, look, you might not be able to fly, but at least you don't suck like Hopip sucks. Hopip is such a bad Pokemon. It's the love disc of second gen. But what caught my attention throughout the whole episode was every time they try and compliment Oddish, 
they always say like even though you can't fly she's like stop reminding him just being mean she's like oh you're so great Anish even though you can't fly literally my last note on this is also just we know it can't fly talk about kicking him when he's down it's just like they turned everything into a backhanded compliment but Oddish is happy and Hoppip Lady accepts Oddish as an honorary Hoppip even though it can't fly even though but before they set off to finish the episode they rebuild the whole house in a few hours and then just walk off into the sunset as they usually do they should really go into construction if they can build a house in a few hours yeah like i know heracross is a fighting type but it's like i don't think it could do all that on its own there's what five people and a few pokemon most of which don't have very long arms so it was definitely afternoon when they started so yeah they built that house way too fast just because they had to tie up all the loose ends and make them happy ends and see if they can do stuff like rebuilding a house that quickly why can they not get to like new cities at a reasonable pace they can only travel at night time that's why they always leave at sunset agility was their dump stat are there any notes that you wanted to to mention that we've missed not really. It was the first time I got to hear that theme song. Uh, I liked it. It was the first time I got to play, you know, Who's That Pokemon. So I liked that. I always miss the Who's That Pokemon bits on the, the version I watch. And the intro theme as well, when I forget to watch that. But it's a good theme song. I'd still argue I like the first one more. Oh yeah, it's definitely more iconic. But I, I do I do really like the Johto one as well. Everybody wants to be a master. Everybody wants to show their skills. It's a whole new world we live in. Do, 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 do. We could sing the whole thing. I don't know the, the whole thing well enough to sing it all, but... But you still gotta catch them all. Be the best that you can be. So yeah, I guess we can go on to the, the summary things. So who was your standout character? I've gotta go with Team Rocket. Can I do Team Rocket as an ensemble? Yeah, absolutely. You know, even despite the fact that I, I think I might get sick of them in large doses, in small doses, Team Rocket just always steal the show. It's about the only thing they're able to, to successfully steal, but they're, they're able to steal it consistently. Yeah, definitely. They're just fun, and every line from them is a joke, which is just the best. Yeah, they've just all got really good chemistry with each other. You know, the, their humor, just the, the voices, you've got to love it. You know, James is uh, over the top of... Uh, I don't know, whatever his voice is. And then, uh, you know, you got Meowth's sort of uh, ambiguously New Yorker accent. And now I need to hear your Jesse impression. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, you, you set it up for this. There's no turning back. <laughs> Can't do Jesse as well. I don't have a, a thing to say for Jesse. Just call Meowth an idiot. Meowth, you fool! I don't know. Close enough. James and Meowth were better. Jesse could use some work. I, I, I would agree. <laughs> yeah, Team Bracket are really good. In every episode I've seen them in. Quite often, you'll get sort of filler episodes that are focused on Team Rocket members, and those are the best ones, pretty much all the time. For me, my standout character was the Oddish, because they were small and cute, and they didn't let all the, the backhanded compliments get to them. Yeah, Oddish was definitely a close second. Plus, if you put an Oddish amongst seven other Hoppips, they're gonna stand out. They actually stood out more than the seven Hoppips did. Because the seven Hoppips did very little. They were just there to be Hoppips. The Oddish could not be a Hoppip. That was it. Existed to get blown away. What was your favorite thing? I really liked the Pokemon meteorology. 
Like just the the way she sort of broke it down uh, was sort of, I guess, kind of scientifically uh, investigating Hopip and uh, their their patterns and whatnot and how they're able to predict the weather. You know, just because that's something that I don't really get from the games. Uh, it was a nice little thing to, uh, you know, to learn about just being able to say, oh, that's that's cool. They've, you know, the creators have really put some thought into how they're developing this world uh, and especially on, you know, how they're making this different from the games because let's be honest you know it's it, it has to be different from how the games are structured a little bit one-to-one adaptations of video games are pretty awful i've kind of zoned out of those bits a little bit because i've seen them quite a lot in a lot of filler episodes but it's nice that with a fresh perspective you've appreciated that more than i probably would my favorite thing was literally just brock saying i think it's called a hoppip after the hoppip says it's hoppip because it's so dumb. real sherlock that one so was this episode filler or not filler? Oh, it was It was definitely filler. I mean, honestly, I kind of prefer that since you know, I, I didn't need any sort of context from the larger story. Uh, so it was a nice episode to just kind of jump into. But yeah, it was it was entirely filler. Yeah, that's like the, the benefit of it being so much filler is you don't really miss much. Let's see, this is episode 21. According to my spreadsheet, we've had 15 episodes of filler so far. Oof. So yeah, it makes it easy to, to jump in and watch an episode. <laughs> it also means if you're watching every episode, it takes forever to get anywhere. Yeah, you've, you've got to have a completely different perspective on it than the guests. If you're if we're just watching an episode here and there, you're watching every single one of them. Yeah, this one was filler, but I still enjoyed it. It was fun enough. What did you think overall? It was it was fine. I mean, I I put down in my notes, it's a perfectly cromulent episode. It's, you know, it's nothing special, but I don't feel like I wasted my time by watching it. Yeah, like it's definitely not an absolutely must-watch episode by any means, but it was fun. Let's move on to The Crest of Kindness. This one has a recap, which is very, very useful because it's been a while since I've seen the last episode. Doesn't matter so much in Pokemon where it's all filler, but in Digimon it's very useful. Yeah, especially for this episode. Yeah, there's a lot of context you need from the last one. (laughs) Just like, why is Magnemon here? What the hell is Chimeramon doing? (laughs) The Digimon Emperor's gone crazy? What's going on? Why aren't Wormmon and Ken getting along? Well, you only have that problem if you've watched ahead. But yeah, this is still the first arc, because it's a very long arc. At least by Digimon standards, where they're usually like 13 tops. I mean, I feel like there's a sort of a middle point in that arc, but it's still like all one arc. Yeah, kind of. And if I remember right, it just jumps straight in with Davis talking about Magnemon, because Magnemon's glowing in front of him. Yeah, and his shoulder pads look like boogie boards. Yeah, (laughs) his rad shoulder pads. I don't know what Davis was on, but he needs to get off it. And my notes jump pretty far ahead, like a good few minutes, because there's just one joke that was noteworthy for me. (laughs) Is it the drill of knowledge? Oh no, that's further down. Let's see, so Ken, also known as the Digimon Emperor, and Davis are both in this very tall definitely not the Death Star room. And Ken and Davis have a bit of a slagging match. Verbal beatdown? A roast off. And Davis just replies to Ken with, sticks and stones can break my bones, but when Magnemon gets a hold of you, he'll kick you off. Then the average goes, but it's so dumb, but it's so good. That's just the level of intelligence Davis has. I'll just take a well-known phrase, (laughs) but when Magnemon gets a hold of you, he'll kick you off. I love the layer on top of it, just with Ken interrupting with, but you didn't let me finish. (laughs) The delivery on that was so good. Zero Two had like really, really cheesy dub writing, but 
That's one of the few things I would put in its favor, actually. Sometimes it comes up with a really funny joke, and that was one of them for me. But Chimeramon smashes through a wall to start fighting Magnamon, who'd be a bad flashlight but a good nightlight, which doesn't make sense, but whatever. <laughs> During this fight as well, Wormmon does some spider Wormmon swinging and swings across to follow Ken. Is this when Run Around starts playing in the soundtrack? I think that's when they smash outside of the, the base. I've made a note of that as well, but Run Around is good music for the fighting. And I didn't know if that was the first appearance of it in the, the show or not. I'm pretty certain it was in the very first episode <laughs> when Flame Tremon's fighting. It might be limited to Vmon's evolutions, I don't know. I've never checked. Most of my notes on the early part of, you know, this episode just boil down to they fight. Yeah, there's a lot of fighting. Chimeramon is scary, though, in some shots. The only other things from the fight that are worth mentioning is that everything Magnamon does, the attack names is just put Magna in front of it. Just Magna Punch, Magna Kick. It's like Captain Falcon levels, to the point where later on it just becomes like Magna Blast and Magna Explosion. I can only assume when Magnamon does anything, you just put Magna in front of it, and that means Magnamon's doing it. I could be mistaken, but I think it was Magnamon who had a, uh, a Japanese name attack that was incredibly unfortunate in English. Magna Blaster was originally called Extreme Jihad. Wow. Yeah, especially in a post-9-11 world, I don't think that was something they wanted to put on TV. I think Magna Punch was the better decision. Probably. I just like the attack names, because just like the idea of everything Magnamon doing, having Magna in front of it. So it's just like, I don't know, Magna make breakfast. I can't unhear the, the, fact, the Captain Falcon comparison now, though. Magna punch! Magna kick! I don't think he has falcon explosion. That's most of what comes up in the fight anyway. It's just Magnamon's funny. Cameraman's a scary design. Oh, and Ken is a bit of a wuss. Uh, everyone else digivolves as well to help out. Digmon uh, introduces himself as uh, Digmon, the drill of knowledge. I used to say the drill of power, but I think this makes me sound smarter. So smooth. Yeah, we're uh, we're changing this to be more in line with the rest of the crests. Yeah, exactly. Just the writers just went, hmm, how come Digmon's the only one that's different? We should fix it. Like, I don't know which actually sounds better, Drill of Power or Drill of Knowledge. I kind of like the Drill of Power. Drill of Power sounds better, but Drill of Knowledge is a little more accurate. Yeah, to the crest anyway. Plus it makes him sound smarter. Yeah, true. It does make him sound smart. But the I just want to mention that the split-screen digivolutions... Start, well, they start off split screen and then decide not to do it the full way, which is annoying. Yeah, you, you think they could have, like, they wanted to save time, but not too much time. It gave me hope and then just changed his mind. <laughs> the drawn out Digivolution sequences are always the worst part of the show. Yeah, especially on rewatches. You you get really tired of hearing dick. Digimon, Digimon, like, really quickly. Let's see, the only bits, apart from that, before the massive fight goes outside, is the kids all confronting Ken when he's got Wormmon there as well. And Ken's just sort of, like, refusing to accept that Digimon are real, and it's, it's pretty intense. And he, he's also sort of refusing to accept Wormmon. Wormmon's essentially saying, hey, send me into the fight. But he's like, there's only one Digimon I need, and it's Chimeramon. And just, you know, again and again, just sort of refuses to love Wormmon. And that, that kind of comes in important. 
Yeah, it becomes very important. Also, the bait and switch when he says Chimeramon is <laughs> so evil. Wormon's just like, he's gonna say Wormon! Then, no. So yeah, now Chimeramon and Magnamon smash through the wall outside into the desert and run around starts playing. Yay! The others break out uh, as well, and someone yells like, Okay, everyone, follow me! And there's just this really dumb and lame string of, I'll follow him! I'll follow you! I'll follow you! Now, now that's what I call following orders! It's so cheesy, I love it! It's the, the dub writing is, like, top-tier, bottom-tier writing. <laughs> I thought that was actually a good joke. <laughs> I liked it. I do like just the delivery and all these cheesy jokes as well. It's just the right level of average. They commit to them so hard. Yeah. That's that's what really makes them. The fact that they don't land, but they commit. Yeah, they've put the effort in to make them not land. So, Magnamon is getting low on energy, and Wormmon is still with the Emperor, and the Emperor whips Wormmon, so you know he's evil. He outright kicked a dog. True. I forgot about that. It wasn't a dog, it was a puppy. And called it a mangy mutt. That's evil. <laughs> so, Wormmon, in retaliation, just decides he's had enough of Ken being evil, and starts glowing with the power of friendship, and gives this great speech about how he's going to save Ken, because Ken's used to be so good and so kind and all that stuff. So Wormmon then pushes <laughs> Ken. He yells out, only a real friend would do this, and then he tackles him off. <laughs> it's so good. It is. Like, it's it's a real important moment. He's he's being a good friend by going against what he wants, because he's like, no, you need this. I need to shake you out of this. And, you know, he like he's legitimately being a good friend by being a jerk to Ken. Because honestly, Ken, Ken needs to have someone be a jerk to him. Yeah, because Ken's been a jerk to everyone else, so... It's only fair. Wormbond, with his glowing power of friendship, steers Devidramon straight towards Chimeramon to save Magnamon. And then Wormbond gives his power of friendship to Magnamon so that he's re-energized for the fight. And can't remember, Magnamon destroyed Chimeramon? Yeah, in the explosion, he destroyed Chimeramon all in one. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember if Chimeramon comes back, but we'll find out. Magnum Explosion finishes off the battle, destroys the base as well, and they've won. Davis stumbles across a crest in the sand. I don't know why there's a crest in this. It just makes it confusing. Yeah, he was super lucky to find, like, that one little tag in, you know, a, a complete sea of, of sand. Yeah, it was very lucky. I don't know. I guess you could claim that the crests want to be found. But Davis is so ignorant, he probably wouldn't notice it anyway. Yeah, he said, huh? Did someone lose their car keys? I forgot that. He's so dumb. But yeah, he finds the crest. And Ken starts complaining because he's certain that somebody cheated to defeat him. It starts going on about rebooting the digital world, but they don't do that bit till try. But all the, the Digidestin kids approach Ken and just explain to him that it's not a video game or anything. All the Digimon are real. It's real, you dummy. Remember at the soccer game? And Kenji's like, wait, logic. Logic is real. And like, it, it sends him into like a complete breakdown because he realizes, wait a minute, if this is all real, then I have been a giant ass. Wow. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's a good character arc, ultimately, but it's just a super quick turnaround. You get little glimpses of him sort of like refusing to accept this truth in some of the episodes building up to this as well, where he just like considers it for a second, like, wait, they were there in the real world. But he just like doesn't want to accept that he's done all these bad things. 
So he's sort of in denial until this point where he's just like, oh, I can't really deny this anymore. And then it all just crashes on top of him and he goes insane. I think that this is the part where he starts stripping off the parts of his uh, emperor garb, right? And they just start disintegrating as he's throwing them. Which is a pretty cool moment. And then they find Wormmon and Wormmon's in really bad shape. He's uh, kind of dying a little. Just a little bit. I also noticed that his left leg is missing. Oh, is it? It's probably an animation error, but let's just imagine that he's missing a leg. One thing I've noticed that like, even in this crucial episode, Pokemon still looks a lot better overall. Uh, Digimon looks pretty chintzy. They take a lot of animation shortcuts. Yeah, they absolutely do. I just counted the legs and Wormmon has five right legs. And only four left ones. But yeah, Wormon is pretty much dying. And during this bit, the crest of kindness goes towards Ken, because it's Ken's. Yeah, and uh, and Kari immediately recognize it, recognizes it as the crest of kindness. How does she know? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes they just know the names of things. It's weird. I guess so. Like, TK and Kari would maybe know because they have more knowledge of that stuff from beforehand, but the Crest of Kindness, I don't think it has been brought up in the show at any point before this. I would expect them to be more surprised at there being a knight's crest in the first place. Because, like, it was a whole special thing about crests were specially made for these eight digidestined. There was no knight's digi-egg or knight's crest or anything. Or even a nice Digivice, but Ken has a crest. <laughs> I can only assume it's linked to the Wonderswan games somehow or something. Right, the Wonderswan games. I don't know much about them, but that would just be my guess as to why he has a crest at all. Yeah, that that is a good point. Ken gets the crest of kindness. Ken cries a lot because he's like, I'm not kind, I don't deserve this. Yeah, well, Matt wasn't a very good friend. He still got the crest of friendship. Who decided the lone wolf character should get the crest of friendship? <laughs> who decided that the guy who stole his best friend's girl should get the crest of friendship? Honestly, they've made some interesting decisions. <laughs> but yeah, Wormmon dissolves, and I forgot this happens. I did not remember that Wormmon just dies. Oh yeah, he, he straight up dies. It's actually like a really important moment because you start to see flashbacks of, you know, what happened in Ken's past with someone that, you know, it's it's his brother uh, died as well. And, you know, it, he's having this whole not again moment, you know, the people I love, the people around me, they keep dying. And, you know, he blames himself for it. So Wormon's death is actually super important for, uh, for Ken's character development. But also TK is a huge... For telling Ken he's gone, Ken, uh, instead of letting him know that Wormon would be reborn. Like, TK of all people should know. TK has lost a Digimon. He should know what he's going through. He should know that he needs to be encouraged and told, hey, no, he's not gone forever. Yeah, I've totally forgot about the scene where TK <laughs> loses Patamon. That does bring the question of how come TK's egg came straight to him, whereas Ken's doesn't? It's a good question, and I'm glad you asked. Like, Wormon and Prison get sent back to primary village. Patamon didn't. Patamon just went straight into an egg in front of TK. Consistency. Who needs it anyway? <laughs> yeah, Digimon's never been great with that. So, after this depressing scene, the writers can't end on a sad note, so it cuts back to the real world. The June experience! Yes. This sort of mini plot thread that's been going through the whole last few episodes, just so they can cut away when things are too intense. The June 
catches up with Ty, Matt, and Izzy on their camping trip. The facial expressions that they make, they're so beautiful, they're fantastic. They're just so distorted, it's amazing. June sucks, but at least she gave us Ty, Matt, and Izzy reacting to June just being there. The panicked expressions, just like, oh, no. <laughs> Fortunately, Izzy opens his laptop and the Digidestined come back, and they just have a minivan to get in. Well, there's not room for all of them, so someone's got to accompany June. June. Yeah. So Matt has to accompany June because he needs to be punished for something, I guess. I did notice that I'm pretty certain his dad gives him a 10,000 yen bill, which is like, that's what, $100 for the bus. Yeah, well, I mean, it's still not gonna make up for forcing him to spend an afternoon with June, but it comes close. I think the bill kind of makes sense if you think the campsite is very far away from where they live, but otherwise, that's a lot of money for the bus. Plus, you know, it's for, for two people and whatnot, but yeah, then there, there's a nice scene of, you know, Ty and Izzy on the way back with all of them are asleep. They're kind of talking about how they've they've sort of passed the torch. And it only took 21 episodes. But I mean, Davis is the only one that really did anything. To contribute to the battle Everyone else was kind of just there I mean they all kind of talked Ken down Yeah they all chipped in a bit But then Ken just walked off anyway So they tried I guess But it was mainly Davis that was the good guy My brain can't think it's getting late He did the most in this battle to actually get them the victory But with that do you have any other notes? I think the only other thing that we really need to mention Is that uh, Ken has has returned home uh, I'd completely forgotten that uh, he had been missing But we get confirmation that yes he has left the digital world, he has returned home. He finally goes home. Pretty stupid that he thought the digital world was a video game in the first place, though, honestly. Not very smart for a genius. Yeah, that's the exact joke they make, isn't it? Do, do they make that joke? Yeah, they're just like, for an evil genius, you're a slow learner. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else I've missed. So who's your standout character, and why was it the Digimon Emperor? It, it was actually Wormmon. Yeah, that was my second choice. <laughs> Ken gets a lot of uh, development in here, and, you know, it was a good moment and whatnot, but Wormmon was really the heart of this episode. Uh, this is sort of his biggest chance to shine in the series, I think. And, like, everything that happens with Ken happens, you know, because... Wormmon takes a stand against him and is able to sort of bring down his friend for his own good. Ultimately, he ends up sacrificing himself. And I think that, like, that's what gives him the edge over Ken for me. I mean, Ken will get more moments. Wormmon is never going to do something on this level again. He's kind of peaked early. Yeah, he, he probably did do a lot more than Ken did. He really had a big impact on how things went. I'll agree with you there, actually. He did more than Ken did, even if Ken had better jokes. So is Ken your stand out character from this episode? Yeah, Ken was my initial pick. I kind of just put down like, see the Ken or Wormmon. It could be either. It's kind of a joint effort between them. They both stole the show. Wormmon's story doesn't work without Ken. Ken's story doesn't work without Wormmon. Yeah, I'd agree Wormmon, just because Ken whips Wormmon, so he's not very nice, and I dislike him for it. But what was your favorite thing about the episode? Oh boy. I have to cheat and say two things. The Moncast is all about exceptions to the rule. The first is just the entirety of Ken's breakdown. You know, that's sort of the, the emotional core of the episode. That's what the entire show so far has been building up to. And again, I said it felt a little quick, but it worked really well. The other thing would be the June experience. It's one of my favorite scenes of the show, just due to all the reactions they have. It is faces on faces of disgust, confusion, worry just every single time one of those three guys is on screen. It is definitely a, a funny 
scene. Yeah, both of those things were highlights of the episode for sure. My favorite thing was just the sticks and stones followed by but because I just love silly little jokes like that. The timing on it was perfect as well. So good. It is a good joke. I mean, it's not a good joke, but it's a good joke. It's a very Davis line. Was this episode filler or not filler? Hmm. Okay, so let me think about this for a little bit. Take your time. I think that due to the fact that this is the climax of the first full arc of the series, I think it's safe to say that it is decidedly not filler. Okay, let's see what the votes came in as. Okay, um, I've been reliably informed that it is, in fact, not filler. <sighs> so glad my logic checked out there. So you are through to the next round. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely not filler. How could you possibly argue that it's filler? <laughs> Just like, Wormon died, Chimeramon died. Ken started to go through, you know, his face turn. Davis got, you know, a new digivolution. It's not a filler episode. <laughs> no. It's a very strong not filler episode as well, I'd say. What were your overall thoughts? I mean, this is one of the best episodes of Zero Two. I think the only one that comes close to matching it is the next episode where it just kind of expands on this and goes into Ken's backstory. And it's, you know, I'd say that it is one of the better episodes of the series as a whole. Like, I think overall, Adventure as a series was a little more solid, but I don't think that the storytelling hit the heights of this. I'm, I'm basically just really, really happy that uh, of the episodes that I got to cover, I, I got this one. Uh, this is one of the best. Was super happy to be able to to cover it. Probably a good one to just go back and watch sometimes as well, because it is. It's got the benefit of having more time to build up to this moment when you actually watch it as a series. Which is adventure was always moving pretty quickly, so you didn't get the same development as you did with the emperor in this. It's interesting, like sort of Ken and the Digimon Emperor seem like very different characters, even though they are the same person. So it's interesting to just slowly see the Digimon Emperor return to being Ken almost, and this was kind of just the final snap just like oh this is ken again now yeah it's a very strong climax to the arc the arc had its low points but this was definitely a, a good crescendo for it is there anything else or shall we move on to the second to last segment technically let's move on now it's time for mono a mono where we attempt to compare these episodes so first of all uh, who is your monster of the week and why it, it's got to be Wormani. He he was a big part of what made the Digimon episode. You know, he really made a stand for himself. It was good to see him doing that. I mean, I guess Oddish would maybe be second, but I I think you know Wormon just did much more. Yeah, like Oddish is a runner up for sure, but Wormon just took center stage through the whole episode and had the biggest impact on the events. And he died, which is one way to really take center stage. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, Wormon sort of stole the show. Next question: Who was worse, Ash or Davis? June. June's not an option. <laughs> if I have to choose between the two of them, I would probably go with Brock. Um, no, uh, I, I think Ash or Davis, I think I have to go with Ash just because this is a rare good episode for Davis. This is like one of those episodes where the fact that Davis is Davis actually works to his advantage. You know, he's stubborn, he's hot-headed, but, you know, that's that's ultimately sort of what gives them the win against the Digimon Emperor and kind of helps pull Ken back to his senses. Uh, whereas Ash was just, Ash was just kind of there. So neither of them was actively bad in these episodes, but I think Davis was 
close to being actively good, so I'll go with Ash. I'd agree with you there. Ash was worse just on the grounds that he did less, and Davis did some good things. He did actually want to help Ken after Wormmon died, which is pretty forgiving of him, honestly. So yeah, same decision there. So that is minus one points to Ash. June is still my primary answer, though. I'll add an additional point just for June. <laughs> just for you. So June is now on minus one points for the series. <laughs> which storyline did you prefer and why? I mean, on one hand, you have the climax of an arc that ends with major character development and changes the entire course of the series. On the other hand, you have a random filler episode. And even though the random filler episode was fine, in terms of storyline, Digimon is definitely head and shoulders above Pokemon here. There's no question about it. Absolutely correct. <laughs> I agree with you there. It's like, Pokemon was entirely run of the mill, and Digimon has had so much more build up to it. Digimon had a much better storyline. Um, but were there any notable similarities between these episodes that you want to, to mention? Well, uh, one weird similarity is that there was a Mon with a green and purple sc color scheme that was kind of put in uh, a central position in the episode. Ooh, deja vu. And then there were some bad jokes in both of them, although I was expecting there to be more bad jokes in Pokemon. There's always bad jokes in both. Pokemons are usually higher quality, though, at least in my opinion. Really, that's about it. Apart from that one weirdly specific similarity. There weren't a lot of similarities. Yeah, I've got a couple written down. There's quite a lot of monsters just flying all over the place. The only other similarity I've got is that you had quite big destruction in both, because the Emperor's base went down, and so did Hobbit Blady's house. That's true. Uh, I've got a few more differences, though. Yeah, uh, I think, like, pretty much everything else was different. You had the Pokemon episode, which was a nice little fluff piece that, as far as I can understand, is strong structured more or less like every other Pokemon episode, where the Digimon episode was, you know, a very serious episode that, you know, majorly changed the status quo. In terms of tone, in terms of storyline, in terms of, you know, where they fall in, you know, the plot of the series, I, I think they're incredibly different. Yeah, there's always tons of differences. I've picked out just a few small ones to bring up. Nobody died in Pokemon. Tears were not shed in Pokemon. Uh, what destruction there was was immediately repaired in Pokemon. <laughs> Basically, nothing bad actually happened in Pokemon. Whereas Digimon had death, destruction, a mental breakdown. So <laughs> I think Pokemon was just a teensy bit more lighthearted this time. And yeah, Digimon just had like a pretty epic climactic battle and a speech and a sacrifice and all sorts going on and that pokemon just never has because it, it never has an arc building up long enough to have these big dramatic moments or anything yeah it's a nice thing to jump in and out of and i can see how watching it week to week as a kid would be something that you know would be fun and make it a good show but like it kind of lacks the punch that digimon gets when uh you know digimon actually decides to start punching. Digimon just has a lot more it can do with its story and its characters than Pokemon can. Pokemon just has too many episodes to fill, so it just keeps doing one-offs every single episode, pretty much. So yeah, those are the, the main differences I found. But the last question is, which episode deserves this week's point and why? I mean, it's gotta be Digimon. It was a fine Pokemon episode, but the Digimon episode was a, such a good one that I think it would be hard for pretty much any episode of Pokemon to beat it. Yeah, like, it's definitely the best episode Adventure Zero Two has had so far. Like, I'm looking through the list of titles here, I'm not seeing anything that was better. Like, after the next episode, I don't 
don't think Adventure Zero Two is going to get this good again. Oh well, that would be bad. Been a while since I've seen like all of Zero Two, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. I I thought this was kind of the height of of Zero Two. Yeah, I liked it more than the Pokemon episode this time. So yeah, there there's really no question about it. Pokemon was fine, but Digimon was Digimon was good, so Digimon has to get the point. Which actually makes the score. 12, 9, 2, Pokemon. Yeah, this is the longest streak Digimon's had to the whole series. Oh no. Three episodes in a row. Oh no. <laughs> Pokemon's longest streak is six. That's about on brand for Zero Two. <laughs> Zero Two's doing okay. It's only three points behind Pokemon so far. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. Well, I don't know. Johto could tank. It could. So far, it's still managed to be better than Digimon, even with all of its filler. They're not even to the second gym! For comparison, so the score, like I said, is 12-9 to Pokemon at the moment, even though Pokemon has had 16 filler episodes, whereas Digimon has had apparently five and a half. What's the half? It was his master's voice. The Dark Ocean. Yeah, the one episode that has nothing to do with anything, but is one of the better episodes of the series. And it lost. It lost? Yep. Oh no. It lost to a filler episode about Jesse and Blissey, which was a really good episode. <laughs> Pokemon pulls out the good episodes when it needs to, apparently. His master's voice lo- Oh. There's some interesting results so far. It's just because Pokemon is consistently average, whereas Digimon gets bad. <laughs> but I think that is mono a mono good and covered. So shall we do the outros? Next time, we'll be discussing the 22nd episodes, Davis Cries Wolfman, and The Superhero Secret. If you want to get in touch, just tweet at us, email at us, or jump in our Discord to chat at us. And of course, a massive thank you to Buggy for joining me. Uh, where can the people find you? Before we go into that, I completely forgot that the episode after this one was Davis Cries Wolfman. I thought it was the Ken flashback one. Oh, I sound really stupid now because I was claiming that Davis Cries Wolfman is one of the best episodes of this year. The one after is Genesis of Evil. Oh no. <laughs> okay, Genesis of Evil was the one I was talking about. So when I say next episode, I completely forgot that they were split up by that episode. Oh no. But Davis Christ Wolfman is one of the best episodes. No! <laughs> it has so much toilet humor in it, you just have to appreciate it. Okay, so... So where can people find you? Yeah, where can people find me? Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter... Uh, that is at the Ladybug Man, D A Ladybug Man. And I run multiple podcasts. Uh, the one that would be most relevant to your listeners would be the Digicast, which is a, a little different take on, on Digimon than this show. We get a little irreverent, so a heads up on that. Uh, but pretty much all my work and blog posts as well, you can find at theladybug.productions. All the links to our stuff will be in the show notes. Uh, including the Moncast Patreon. So a big thank you to every one of our patrons, including Cheesei236, James B, John C, Nicholas, and Irving G for supporting the show. It really does mean a lot. We're really close to hitting a milestone where we'll get a film special every month. So that'd be crazy. <laughs> but I'm hoping we hit that milestone because it'll be fun to, to watch some films for the podcast. And until next time, thank you for listening and bye-bye. Hasta mañana. What? <laughs> It's Spanish for see you tomorrow, <laughs> but it has money. <laughs>
I need to know, do you like Team Rocket? Well done, cats. <laughs> Just noticed that my housemate's got takeaway. And now I can smell takeaway. Life isn't fair. <laughs> so yeah, um, I think that's everything with Pokemon. What did you bang your head on? <laughs> uh, I bumped my arm on the uh, pop filter stand. <laughs> That's fine. I've managed to hit the microphone a few times with my headset this recording. <laughs> so yeah, we've got I've... a good streak going. Wow. I don't know what my housemate was doing, but that was some hammering on the keys. <laughs> I'm pretty certain he's now doing it more to make a point. Anyway. <laughs> okay, Clyde. I've got a cat on my desk. I really don't want Clyde to touch my keyboard in case he accidentally manages to stop the recording. <laughs> Clyde, can you go, please? This is the only problem with cats. <laughs> Clyde, you're not even my cat. <laughs> Give me a sec. <laughs> it's something for the patrons to listen to, at least. <laughs> Clyde, I need you to go. Will you go, Clyde? Come on. Boop. Clyde, go. Don't invade my space and then scratch me when I tell you to leave. <laughs> you are leaving. Go sit Let's see how long it is till he comes back. <laughs> Clyde, stop trying to sc- stop going on my table and scratching me. <laughs> he's back. Yeah, he's back. He's brought up my document help and typed in Q2 several times. <laughs> And now he's watching my mouse cursor, so I could keep him entertained. <laughs> <laughs>